This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 573, and the quote of the day is, creativity is inventing, experimenting, growing, taking risks, breaking rules, making mistakes, and having fun. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Episode 574. Hey, if you're not on the mailing list, you should be. Every Friday, I send out a wrap-up email of what was released during the week, and then also anything else that's going on in Drummer's Resource World. You can do that. Just go to drummersresource.com. You can sign up for the mailing list, and you also end up on my, or you get a free copy, excuse me, of my stick control book. It's an ebook. It's 11 creative exercises to help you with your speed, your independence, your chops, all that stuff. 100% free. Just do that at drummersresource.com and you will be on the list. All right, let's get into the conversation with my man, Jake Reed. I've been a fan of Jake's for a while now. And this conversation is great because we cover a couple different things. We talk about one about his book and he wrote a book about solo techniques and melodic vocabulary, which is something that's really important to me. And I love talking about it because it's such an intangible thing. So really learning how to play melodically and and understanding phrasing and, and those types of things is especially important for drummers because I think a lot of times we forget about those things. And as, as uh, Ralph Peterson said, if you don't know music, then your drumming is reduced to mathematics and velocity, which I thought was an amazing quote. It's one of my favorite quotes that ever came out of this podcast. Anyway, so we talk about all that with Jake. And then also we talk about his new record, about how he recorded it during COVID. And there's there's something about being a drummer and going out on your own and recording your own record. So he talks about the process of that and how, you know, how they recorded everything and, and how they're releasing things. And it's just very good information, especially for a time like right now where people are sort of scrambling for answers. So lots of nuggets in here. I hope you enjoy it. I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with Jake Reed. Jake Reed, how are you, my man? Doing well. How are you? Good. Good. Glad that we got the first name. Uh, I was just telling, I was just, I almost said Ben. I was just telling Jake off air that uh, I have a friend named Ben Reed. So I've been uh, I've been thinking about the word, the name Ben, this whole entire time for some reason. So, uh, so anyway, that is just the, that's the preface. So the world knows that uh, it's a it's a common mistake. I I get mistake for Ben all the all, time. All the time. <laughs> it's really it's really hindered your career, as I can see. Yeah, yeah, it's really been yeah. standing in the way. You know, in all seriousness, uh, I can't talk. In all seriousness, though, there is there are like maybe I don't know three or four other drummers also named Jake Reed. Mm. And um, they're all on the internet. So, and yes, you know what's crazier? This is the crazy thing. One of them is maybe if he's listening right now, he'll hit me up again. But his name is Jake Reed. He lives in the UK and he plays in a punk band. And this is the craziest part: we have the same birthday. Really? Yeah, but he's he's like one year younger than me, I think. But we literally—it's the same birthday. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's pretty so, amazing. Pretty weird, and we hit we hit each other up on Facebook like many years ago, and we were like, "Hey, this is kind of weird." <laughs> I like it. I like it. Anyway, 
So uh, speaking of, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick uh, uh, mistaken, not mistaken identity, but so uh, my friend James Wormworth, he's a drummer. He was the drummer on Conan O'Brien and everything. His dad is a drummer as well and played with like Hugh Mascala and, and Horace Silver and all these people, like wow. a, like old school jazz cat. And uh, so James gets a call and they're like, hey, we want you to do this gig or this, this, it was like a, um, a cruise tour, like a jazz cruise and everything. He's like, okay, yeah. And he works out all the details <laughs> and he shows up and they're like, who are you? And they're, oh, like, no. they're like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm, I'm James Wormworth. And they're like, we were trying to get Jimmy Wormworth. They were trying to hire his dad and he oh got, the, and they hired him accidentally. And he was like, but I did the gig and I had a great time. <laughs> Oh my gosh! They got the the younger, uh, hipper version. They got the younger, <laughs> the younger hipper version. So that's a funny story. That's um, hilarious. Yeah. So speaking of uh, your birthday, so so where where did you grow up? Did you grow up in L.A.? No, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Got you. Some people are always like, "Oh, Kansas," and I'm like, "No, no, no. Missouri." But right. yeah, Kansas City, Missouri, at a very early age. No, I'm just kidding. Um, are you are you a Chiefs fan? I am, yeah. Oh, you guys. Well, see, yeah, totally. My my grandfather um, had season tickets for years and years, so we would go to the games, you know, pretty frequently whenever they were playing at home. Amazing. So I, yeah, got to grow up going to you know like like back in the nineties when they had like Derek Thomas and mm-hmm. uh, all those guys. Yeah, Neil Smith. Yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> we are not going to talk about drums at all on this. No, on this never conversation. Well, so. I mean, the thing is, it's all related to drums. It is. It so. is. So talk to me, talk to me about growing up, uh, you know, like growing up Kansas city. What were, what was the vibe in the house? Were you listening to music or parents musicians? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So my dad played drums when he was in high school you know, in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like sort of into drums, but you know, by the time I came along, I think we had, well, so let's see, it was the eighties. So he had, um, there were like these, <laughs> sometimes I tell the story. I, I, um, I, I don't even know what the brand was, but there used to be these drumsticks that like would hook up to some headphones and you could like hit the drumsticks on anything in the house and through the headphones would be the sound of a snare drum. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Cause because it's the 80s, right? So, right. you know, really cool digital technology. Um, so that's that was kind of my introduction. Uh, I don't remember how old I was, maybe like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, you know, we would just, you know, listen to music in the car. He was, he was super into classic rock. Um, and then th- the thing is, though, my parents were divorced. So whenever I would go to my mom's house... Um, you know, I'd be like making little drums out of like coffee cans and things like that and hitting them with whatever I could find. And then eventually, you know, she got me a pair of drumsticks so I could like play on stuff. Right. Um, so that was kind of like what I started doing. And then eventually that turned into um, getting me a drum set. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you know CNC drums? Yeah. 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 yeah so before they like made drums they were just a drum shop in kansas city called cnc drum shop um and they sold you know like used drums of you know all these different brands so oh really my, i didn't know yeah that. so I, yeah so my mom got me this uh like 1970s blue vista light 
Ludwig kit, <laughs> like with concert toms. That was my first drum set. I love it. You know, and they got a really, it was just like, you know, didn't cost very much at the time because it was just like a, you know, I still have them. They're not in, I mean, they're not like in pristine condition, like the shells or anything, um, but they sound good. I mean, it's definitely like a player's kit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I got my first drum set from, uh, you know, from CNC drum shop. What do you, and, what do you think it was that, that attracted you to the drums? Do you think it was for, because you like, do you think it was because of your dad or was it just something that, that you were know, attracted I, to? That was part of it. I would say, you know, definitely, you know, partly my father. And then also, um, at that time, you know, MTV was still a thing. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, I would like see the drummers on MTV. And at, at that time it was like Nirvana and mm-hmm. Green Day, uh, Soundgarden, like those types of bands. Um, so I think that was part of it. But the thing that really got me like hooked on the drums was um, my grandmother. She was super into like big band swing jazz. So like she was super into like Buddy Rich, Gene Krupa, um, Max Roach, like not that he was a big band drummer, but mm-hmm. you know, just that, that era of drummers. So she was, she gave me the CD that was, um, you probably listened to it. It's, uh, it's Buddy Rich, Buddy Rich versus Gene Krupa. Yeah. Um, yep. you know that album? I know exactly and, what you're talking about. Yeah, yep. And it's an, it's an amazing show of drumming, but then if you check out like the other credits on the album, it's like Ray Brown and Oscar Peterson, mm-hmm. Herb Ellis, uh, I think Sweets Edison is on it. So it's like an amazing band. I think I, I bought that as the- like a bootleg. Like, oh, really? Yeah. I like, I, I remember buying it and I was like, I don't really think that this is like the original, like the real version. Not, not that I thought, it, not that I thought it was, wow. wasn't the real recordings or anything like that, but like the, the, the artwork and all that kind of stuff. I feel like yeah. I bought like a pirated copy or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I used to listen to that constantly and I'm sure my dad, got sick of listening to it in the car <laughs> whenever we would go anywhere but i would listen to i think it was i think it's called buddy's blues or something like that it's the second track on there because mm-hmm. it just opens with a drum solo yeah which is know? amazing and and it's buddy rich and then you know gene krupa plays and they go back and forth and it's just it's amazing yeah so that's the thing that like got me really hooked on like oh my gosh i have to figure out how to do this even though i still can't do what he's doing on there <laughs> <laughs> but at least it was inspiring yeah which i guess is the thing it's it's so interesting to me that you know all those all those years ago you're listening to big band you're listening to Buddy Rich you're listening to Max Roach and at the time like obviously we're too young to realize like what a profound effect that it, that it's going to have on us but but it starts to set the course a little bit and starts you down this road and now you know not i wouldn't say that you're you know you're just a jazz drummer but like you're predominantly a jazz player right like I, yep, I do a lot of jazz work, but I think the other thing to realize is concurrent with all of that to use a uh, <laughs> college word, uh, concurrent with all of that, <laughs> I was still listening to like everything else that was popular at that time on the mm-hmm. radio, like whatever my friends were listening to. So yeah. it was always sort of this, um, I, I wouldn't even call it a dichotomy. It was just like a, a, you know, just me simultaneously listening to this like virtuosic jazz drumming. And then, you know, you could you could say that all the popular uh, music that I listened to that also had those amazing drummers, it's virtuosic in its own way. Sure. You know, sure. So I was always listening to like 
a lot of stuff that you would say would would be like pop music from back then and mm-hmm. just like classic rock like because my dad obviously you know he like i said he listened to classic rock in the car so i was getting all of those uh that that whole uh canon <laughs> if you will right. of of I, bands you know the thing that's overlooked a lot that that I feel like needs to be talked about more is the fact that like, if you're listening to classic rock, right. And you're, and you're hearing Ginger Baker or you're hearing, you know, Keith Moon or you're hearing John Bonham or you're listening to pop and it's Michael Jackson or, or, you know, whatever else. But like in Chancellor who played on a lot of those Michael Jackson records was it, he played jazz really well, yep. you know, like yeah. all, like all those guys uh, grew up, all, you know, Ginger Baker and all those guys, like, they all grew up listening to jazz. That's why their rock grooves felt so good because they swung their asses off. You know, totally, like, totally. I don't. I just. I feel like it doesn't get. I. I know that it's common knowledge, but it doesn't. I feel like it gets overlooked a lot. I think that's super important to keep in mind too. Yeah, it's like if you, if you go back and listen to those guys, and even the way they tune their drums too. You know, mm-hmm. like the way you know John Bonham, like not having a, a hole in the front head, or you know, um just the way they even tune the drums, just the sound of the drums, you know, you can hear that they were super influenced by, you know, all those jazz drummers. Yeah. Um, same thing, you know, like if you listen to, I know you, uh, you, one of your podcasts, you interviewed JR, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, he's a big time jazz freak too. And yeah. but the thing is like, you know, he was super inspired by like, you know, Billy Cobham, for instance, and fusion drummers like like that, and obviously all the swing guys that we discussed. But then he went on and played, you know, on all the Michael Jackson records, and you know all the just countless pop hits that he's played on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's definitely there. That that swing feel is is in there on all those records. I mean, it's really the cornerstone of groove. Yeah, if you can. Oh, big time! If you can hear, if you can hear, you know, that swung pulse, and and I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just. Bring, <laughs> no, I'm going to talk about it. I'm bringing I mean, it up for, for conversation's sake. I'm not trying to. Listen, yeah, for all the listeners out there, I, I think that's it's really important, you know. And, and yeah, all of my favorite drummers, the guys who I and girls who I like to really listen to, like they all have that uh, foundation. You know, it's it's always in there, right? Um, in one form or another. Even the ones where you would say like, oh, like that drummer's like an electronic drummer or whatever, you can still hear like Jojo Mayer, for instance, I'm just thinking of someone off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Like you still, you can still hear there's a big time swing influence in there. Yeah. Jazz, jazz influence, you know? Yep. It's there. And the argument I've always heard was, well, I don't want to be a jazz drummer. And it's like, well, okay, that's fine. If you don't want to go out and do jazz gigs, that's one thing, but you should at least conceptually understand swing how it grooves, be able to play it a little bit. Um, yeah. Or you well, just... And beyond... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, this is your... I'm not here to no, talk. I'm here to ask uh, questions but, and let you talk. Yeah, yeah. But beyond that, uh, the thing I always tell any any of my students um, is that the drum set... I'm staring at my drum set right now as we talk about this, but the drum set was born out of the jazz age. You know, so it came from jazz drummers so it's like if you really want to learn how to play the instrument and and really learn the vocabulary that was developed on our instrument you have to check out jazz drummers you know you have to learn how to do it mm-hmm. you, if you really want 100%. to get into it you know if you if you're serious about learning the instrument just like 
someone who's serious about learning the piano, like you can't seriously study the piano without studying Bach. You right. just, you can't, <laughs> you know? Yep. yep. Uh, I think it's easy to, I think it's easy to sit down and play the drums. Like, right. like anyone, that's what, that's always like made me mad. You can just sit down and just hit the drums and, and you're playing them versus yeah. like a violin. You can't sit down and do that. And when you're learning all those other instruments, you have to go through those quote unquote proper channels. Uh, right. You know, you got to learn the scales and you're going to learn a song that's in those scales and all. And then it's like, next thing you know, you're like, oh, I've learned, uh, you know, a book of jazz songs. And right. But that just doesn't happen with drums. It's just right. It's just well, a, part of that is we play a non-pitched instrument. Right. You know, so it's hard to it's like when I was a kid, someone would be like, well, play a song for me on the drums. And I'm like, well, that's not really how it works. Like, I can't just play like <laughs> I can't just play like and then name whatever song. I can't play like a Blink-182 song on the drums. Right. Maybe I mean, some beats are so famous that you could or fills, you know, you could play it and people go, oh, yeah, I know that song. But no one's going to be know, singing have, along. Like, yeah, to have like a harmonic structure and form and melody on the drum set is just not possible, sure. <laughs> you know, because it's yeah. non-pitched instrument. Yeah. But we do have, I mean, we do have, I think part of it is because the instrument's so young, but it's like we we are developing sort of a uh, a codified way of learning how to play the drums. We have tons of books now, and there are so many great resources. It, you know, considering that the drum set's only like a hundred years old, basically compared to a violin, which is hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're, you know, we're developing a, a way like a, a set way that you can sit down and actually learn the drums, you know, different curriculums out there. Yeah. Um, compared to like a trumpet or something where it's like, yeah, you have to go through these. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the book. What's the trumpet book that everyone. I have no idea. I've never, I don't uh, even know if I've ever picked up a trumpet. I used to live with a trumpet player. There you he go. was like every day, the same warm-ups every day. Cause that's just oh, how taps? You, you know, no, 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 no. Uh, they, there's like, I'm sure all my trumpet player friends out there are like, you idiot. It's this, <laughs> not just saying the name. Oh, taps is the taps is the song. Taps is like the funeral. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. Funeral. yeah. Um, anyway, there's like a very set way that so many trumpet players warm up every day. And we don't really have that on drums. If anyone even warms up on drum set, you know? Right. Like we have Wilcoxon book or we have like drumline warmups, like eight, eight on a hand, et cetera. Like those kinds of warmups that we learn. We're just doing double stroke rolls. But yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to like, there's so many different ways to learn this instrument now, which I think is amazing because then you get so many different ways of drummers approaching how to even play the instrument, which is how we get, you know, new, new ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but yeah. that's a different that's a different thing than just i guess playing music you know that's yeah. not really i wouldn't say that's how it's really developed you know it's developed through the music mm-hmm. um talk anyway. talk about that a little bit like about developing your your playing and your style and your voice through yeah. the music um and i know like i know that you you wrote a book about this too about like developing your vocabulary and i think all of these things go go hand in hand i mean the ultimate destination is finding your own voice right but i've always thought that the hardest part is the is the journey of getting there like how do you start to develop these things and really have them work into your playing it's one thing to go and like steal somebody's thing and bring it in but it's you know but really developing your vocabulary and being able to use it and manipulate it the way that you want 
Um, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, early on I was studying a lot of rudiments. I had a great teacher in Kansas city named Dennis Rogers. Um, who's he was just an amazing, he is an amazing human and an amazing teacher. So we were heavy into the rudiments. Um, and he actually, you know, he's one of the first drum pedagogues, I would say that wrote out drum set solos using rudiments. Like Hmm. he had, he has a book that each solo that you play in the book is based on a rudiment. Like there's the paradiddle solo, the double paradiddle solo, um, the flam solo, you know, and they all use those specific rudiments to show you how you can use those rudiments on the drums. Nice. So that was sort of my introduction to not only playing snare drum, but also playing drum set. And then we also did mallet percussion and stuff. So I would say I had a very, uh, you know, rigid sort of curriculum growing up for how I was taught to play the instrument first, you know, first off. And, and then beyond that, when I got into college, I did a ton of transcribing of, you know, just drummers that I loved what they sounded like and I loved what they played. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, listen to so many styles of music because I just the thing is, I love listening to different styles, you know, like different approaches to the drums. Like some drummers are like, I'm only a bebop guy or I'm only a rock drummer. And that's fine. But I'm just not I've never been that way. And I, it's probably because I grew up listening to so many different styles. So mm-hmm. that's sort of what's always informed basically what I do, you know, is I, that, like you were saying earlier, it's like, I, I do play a lot of jazz, but I'm so inspired by different styles that it's like, that's what I, that's kind of what I've been focusing on over yeah. the years. But I would say that like, to answer your question about developing your own voice, I mean, Tony Williams has talked about this in so many of his clinics, but It's like, how can you develop your own voice if you haven't studied what else is out there? You know, so Mm. that was part of why um, I wanted to study as many drummers as I could. You know, that's and that's everything from, uh, you know, checking out like Chick Webb or Baby Dodds um, all the way up through, you know, Chris Dave or, you know, just, you know, or the studio guys like the L.A. studio drummers like. Mm -hmm listening to Jeff Percaro so much, you know, um, so just let any, me, you know. let me ask you this about studying drummers. And I asked this yeah. question. I remember asking sure. Dom Famolaro sure. a long time ago about this. Uh-huh. Um, but when, when you're saying, Oh, I, I studied drummers. What exactly, what exactly did you do? Like, let's talk about some of like the, like actual tactical takeaways that people could do in their own, in their own oh. playing to like well, really study a drummer. When I say study, I mean, you know, there, you can go in and really analyze a drummer by listening to them and transcribing what they do or write it down. Um, you can watch videos of them now with, I mean, geez, with the the internet now, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, uh, no. this internet thing, I think it's going to, yeah. I think it's going to be big. But uh, beyond that, I, I mean, I've always, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but. I have a doctorate in jazz, in jazz studies. So, you know, like when I talk about studying, I'm like talking about like really going in and studying drummers. Like I'll find everything I can on someone, you Mm -hmm. know, like I'll basically become obsessed with them, you know, like find every clinic that they ever gave or just every interview, like modern drummer interview or what, you know, wherever they've been interviewed. Right. I'll try to find as much as I can about them until I really feel like, 
I almost know them as a human, <laughs> as a person, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if I never met them, you know, um, you know, and, and, and for a time I feel like that was, you know, pre YouTube, that was not an easy thing to do. Um, in some respects, but now it's like, there's just so much information out there. Um, but I, above all, I would just say to anyone listening, just, you know, find the drummers or styles of drumming that you really love and work on those. I mean, even, and even if there's something you don't love, at least check it out. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I mean, there have been certain, um, certain ways of drumming or, you know, approaches to playing drums where at first I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I like that. And then, you know, you come back to it a couple of years later and you're like, actually, that's pretty cool. <laughs> right. You know? Man, I, I, re- I tell this story a lot, but I remember seeing Steve Jordan play. Uh, I saw a video of him playing and I don't know, I was like, if, I was maybe I was 16 or 17. And uh, I was like, eh, yeah, I don't get it. And I was like, yeah, it's it just, happens. Right. Yeah. And now I'm like, he's arguably my favorite drummer ever. Right. And everything he plays, I'm like, this is amazing. But for, I just, I, for some reason it was like, I didn't understand pocket and I didn't understand groove and I didn't understand that less is more. And and I just didn't get where he was coming from. I did. I was like, I don't know. He just sounds like he's just like playing a beat to me. Yeah. You know, I'll tell, I'll tell a similar story. Um, (laughs) really quick. Um, so again, when I was in high school, I was super into buddy rich, um, you know, Max Roach even Elvin, like all like the drummers where we think of, they really push the, the way that we approach soloing on the drums or even playing time on the drums. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really help push the, the genre or not genre. That's not a good word. Um, <laughs> the way we play the instrument, basically, um, what can be played on the instrument. They really push that forward. So when I went to college, um, and I was checking out colleges, my, my grandparents, uh, one set of my grandparents lived in Cincinnati and uh, there's a drummer there named John Von Olin mm-hmm. who played in Stan Kenton's band, Woody Herman's band. He's played on a, a he was Jeff Hamilton's teacher nice. in the seventies. Um, and the first time I saw him play and Jeff Hamilton tells a really similar story. Like the first time I saw Von Olin play, my, my grandparents took me to see him and they're like, Oh, this is the guy that teaches at the conservatory here. And, you know, I watched him for 20 minutes. And I was like, I don't get it. Like what, What's so great about this guy? He has no chops. You know, he can't, he can't even like really play a drum. So like, you know, the way that I thought, cause you know, when you're 18, you think you know everything. Right. Um, and I was just like, I just don't get it. And then, you know, I ended up going to school there and there were some other great drummers. Another, uh, great teacher I had in Cincinnati was a guy named Art Gore. Um, Mark Wolfley was another, is another great Cincinnati drummer I studied with Rusty Burge, who's a great vibraphonist there. Nice. And a great percussionist. Um, all those guys, like, ha- they have, like, very, um, you know, schooled approaches to the drums. Like, they've really studied, like, everything we've just talked about, basically. So, when I heard Von Olin, I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but the thing is, you know, once I started going to school there and heard every other musician, like, non-drummers, but other musicians, piano players, horn players, talk about Von Olin the more I started to realize that he was like really heavy, <laughs> like he was a very deep musician. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is when we think about jazz drumming and the thing that really makes to me, what makes a jazz drummer great besides like their ability to like 
you know, solo on the drums or whatever. That's one, that's part of it, I guess. Um, but is their time feel right? The way they play the ride cymbal, the way they're able to support an ensemble, whether it's a small group or a big band. Um, and that was the thing that Von Olin had his own approach to and his own way of doing. Um, that was just, it was so unique, but also so not a display of chops, <laughs> kind of like Steve Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just, it's so deep and it seems so simple on the surface. You, you watch it and you're like, what? there's nothing to this. Any, anyone could do this. It's kind of like what people think of Ringo or, and you know, some people think of Ringo as like, Oh, there's nothing to it. Like what? He's not even doing anything. And then the more you like really investigate, you go like, Oh, this is, this is serious. Yeah. This, there's something really deep here. And that's, you think of Levon Helm too. Totally. Yeah. That's another great example. Levon Helm. Um, and the thing is, I remember Levon, like I had never even listened to Levon Helm. I mean, besides passively hearing him on the radio and not knowing it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as someone was like, oh, you should check out, you know, Cripple Creek up on Cripple Creek. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is deep. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. And then, so the, again, the more you investigate these drummers who seemingly have nothing going on, you know, you start to get into what they're actually doing and you're like, whoa, okay, this is, this is worth my time to study, to like really read up on these people, really try to emulate their playing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's probably the key word when I talk about studying a drummer is trying to emulate what they're doing. Um, you know, and then incorporating that into what you do. And then eventually you study so many drummers and you study so many different styles and approaches to playing the instrument that your own voice naturally comes through, you know? And I, I think that's kind of always been, been my approach. Maybe it's not someone else's approach to, right. And the thing is, I remember talking to Von Olin one time, like, you know, saying, like, I remember saying to him, like, you have such a unique way of playing. How did you do that? Or, you know, how do I, how will I know when I have my own voice? Cause that's like a thing, you know, that people talk about is, well, I, I just want to have my own voice on the instrument and, you know, all that kind of thing. But, and he said to me, he was like, you know, like, it'll just come out naturally. And he, he's like, the thing is, you already have your own voice and you don't even know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true you statement. Know? Yeah. It's, it's already in there. You just haven't realized it. Right. You know, he said that in, in his own uh, way. But I think that's the important part is you can't try to find your own voice. At least I couldn't try to find my, like actively try to find my own way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't just sit down at the drums and be like, here's something nobody else has ever done before. <laughs> right, right. But the more you play uh, and the more you play music with other people, I think that's really the key thing that's helped me out over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can sit in a room by yourself all day and play the drums, but until you actually start playing music with other people, um, in a live situation, you're not really going to understand how to play your instrument, you know? And, and the thing is the drums, I mean, as much as it's become a solo instrument and like a, a featured instrument, the drums originally were accompanimental, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we do. So if you don't know how to accompany other musicians, then you're missing out on like a huge part of what it means to play the drums. Um, you know, we see so many amazing, I mean, just kids who can play circles around me <laughs> on the internet yeah, now. It's, 
I, I'm insane. not trying to sound like an old man or anything, but it's like that's to me, that's only a small sliver of what it means to be a great drummer. Right. You know, and all my favorite drummers are amazing accompanists. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they're playing jazz or whether they're playing in a studio for like a movie or a television show or a commercial, um, or if they're just playing in a rock band, you know, like in a punk band even, you know, or what have you. Um, that to me, that's, that's, that's what I mean by study. But to answer your question about, um, like, you know, also developing your own voice and, you know, what you were talking about with the book, um, Mm -hmm. the thing that kind of set me on that path, uh, was when I started studying with Peter Erskine at USC. Mm -hmm. Um, because his, I mean, one of our first lessons, he was like, okay, I want you to sit down at the drums and I want you to improvise a solo, but you can't use any licks or rudiments or anything you've like worked out ahead of time, you know, which is really hard to do. Not you only know, that, sit- you're sitting in front of Peter Erskine. Yeah. So there's right. You're like, that. yeah, there's no pressure here. And at that time he still wore glasses. So he would like stare over the brim of his glasses. At you. <laughs> you're you know, like, like, step aside, Peter, I got this. <laughs> but the thing is as soon as i started playing i was like oh my god this is like impossible for me to do because i've studied so many other um pieces of vocabulary that other drummers have played that i have no basis for just sitting down and telling a story on the drums without using all of these sort of like preconceived licks that that have been out or rudiments you know like there's so much information out there now. Here's how you can use a six stroke roll on the drum set. And then, you know, you can just go to town with that, right? Mm-hmm. Or a five stroke roll or what, whatever rudiment you can plug in algebraically speaking to the drums. Um, but to sit down and tell a story from scratch on the drums, just improvise something without using any of that stuff you've worked out. Um, he, he used to talk about play, um, calling it playing out of habit. Mm-hmm. right just all these habits we've developed all of these sort of um you know just ways that we would just naturally get around the drums just kind of discarding all of that um and so that lesson i you know that which is <laughs> quite a while ago now uh sort of set me on this path of like okay well can i just sit down at the drums and like play anything and, and so what what it does is it gets you thinking about all of the other musical aspects of playing the drums right texture dynamics um i'm not going to say melody but i'm going to say melodic contour Mm -hmm. the drums so like the idea of you know like the highest pitch on the drum set would be and this is something jeff hamilton talks about too which is like you know the hi-hat for instance um or the bells of the cymbals um different lengths of notes you know like short sounds long sounds um, the symbols naturally ring, right? Just all of those things or, or dead sticking the drums, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like Mel Lewis would do. Um, so it gets you thinking about all these other aspects of getting sounds out of the drums, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has nothing to do, has nothing to do with, you know, rudiments or, um, different coordination, um, like we like to talk about on drums or, you know, sticking patterns, right. things like that, which right. are all great. And I, I'm all for studying that stuff. But 
the thing is, after working on that for such a long time, I realized, like, oh my gosh, there's a hole in the drum set literature um, for approaching learning the drums this way. And the thing that I, the the thing that sort of um, also piqued my interest was, you know, I was playing a lot of bebop at the time um, with all these different, you know, saxophone players and uh, pianists and bass player, like upright bass players at mm -hmm. school. And also outside of school, you know, I, I've played for a long time with this uh, guitarist, Bruce Foreman, who's an amazing bebop guitar player. And playing with them, in some ways at that time, I felt like, gosh, I, I don't feel like I'm really, I'm not connecting with them like in their vocabulary, you know, because mm -hmm. I, was think, I was thinking so much about drum stuff you know drum vocabulary and um things i could play on the drums instead of really listening to what they were doing um from the perspective of like where are the you know like when a when a bebop player plays a line there are certain accents there's a certain sort of built-in rhythmic uh shape to what they're playing even though even if they're playing a, a steady stream of eighth notes mm -hmm. you know or whatever you know like even if they're playing a steady stream of eighth notes there's a built-in contour to what they're playing a shape right that mm -hmm. tells a story and that creates a phrase of music right so i begin to think like well i can do that on the drums you know um and so some exercises i started doing were like okay can i just take like a bebop head and play it on the snare drum, you know? And that was something, that, that's another thing that Peter would have us work on, is like, can you take a tune like Billy's Bounce? Mm -hmm. You know that tune, Billy's Bounce? Yeah, yeah. I don't, well, I don't need to sing it, but you guys can Google Billy's Bounce in iTunes <laughs> and listen to it. I think you should sing uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, you get it. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, can you play that on the snare drum and have someone recognize like, oh yeah, you're playing Billy's Bounce? you know, mm -hmm. and make it feel good and sound like a horn player. So like basically the overarching idea here, I know I've said a lot already, but the overarching, no, this idea, is what, I mean, this is, I, I want to talk about this. The overarching idea is, can you phrase like a horn player or like a guitarist or, you know, a pianist playing in that style on the drums? Right. And so when you try that, you realize, Oh, this has, really not much to do with like orchestrating paradiddles or pataflaflas or <laughs> whatever, right. you know, uh, or even quintuplets or like think, you know, or playing a, a samba bass drum ostinato with your feet while you're soloing, you know, <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. It has it's, everything. That's to fun do though too. <laughs> oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. And I've, I've worked on it a lot and I have to do it every once in a while. But that's not really what got me connected to playing with other musicians, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that's, that was the thing that really got me going was working on those sorts of ideas. And as soon as I did, and I, I really felt like I got a hold on it, it was like, oh, you know, simply just, can I play quarter notes and eighth notes on the drums and say something musically, mm -hmm. you know? And that, and that's sort of what, basically inspired me to write jazz drum set etudes volume one nice. <laughs> um so yeah which is available through alfred music if anyone wants to check it out 
Check it out, www.alfred.com. Shame, yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah. No, I, will, I mean, I'll, I'll make sure. My website, jakereadmusic.com. Uh, that'll, it'll be in the show notes for sure because I, yeah. I, want people to, I want people to check it out for sure. So I've been checking out the new Sonar SQ-1s. And let me tell you, these drums are sick. They're made out of birch. All right. Why, you ask? Because birch has balanced low, mid, and high ranges. So they sound really, really good in the recording studio, plus they sound great live. Now, this is some really cool stuff. They have a sound stabilizer system, and it's actually based on concepts applied in the automotive industry, and it's rubber to metal so that you're getting complete isolation from the shell. Not only that, the colors that they come in also resemble high-end automobiles, so they're all matte lacquer finishes. These kits are insane, and not only that, they sound amazing. To learn more about the SQ-1 series, go to sonar.com. Have you seen the new Promark Select Balance? So Select Balance gives the drummers the ability to fine-tune a standard stick model to fit their playing style. Let me give an example. If you play rock or country or metal, then you can use the Promark Forward Balance. It gives you enhanced power and speed. But if you play jazz and funk and gospel, then you can use the Rebound Balance, and it gives you rear-weighted balance to give you better finesse and more agility. The best part is they're made by Promark. They control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick, which means you get unmatched level of quality and consistency. Plus, they're always paired by weight and by pitch, so you know that there is zero guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your bag. Check them out by going to Promark.com. You know, talking about talking about this in a in a jazz setting or um or talking, we're talking about it in a jazz setting, but to me, I mean, this is a this is a universal music setting. And when you were talking about this, it reminded me of why we we'd mentioned Jeff Ricardo earlier, and watching that that DVD VHS whatever it was of Jeff Ricardo. Uh, now it's on YouTube, but um, right. I, and I remember watching him play through these tunes and thinking, there's like he's playing the groove. But then there's like this other melodic stuff that's going on underneath what he's playing. Right. And that's what makes Jeff Beccaro so great, where he, like you talked about texture and there's different dynamics and, and it feels like there's this sort of like ebb and flow and like this sort of like slinky feeling going through everything that he's playing. And and to me, and I, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion about it, but I think that that is, that's all part of your melodic vocabulary. All Totally. Of yeah, big time. And I think a lot of that is also, I mean, he obviously grew up in a very musical family. Right, right. <laughs> Rest in peace, Joe Percaro. Yeah, he just passed away. Um, it's a shame. Um, but I think a lot of that, it, I mean, the, this, what we were just talking about, I mean, yeah, he's not playing anything... I mean, you sit there and listen, and it's impressive in some ways, but you don't go like, wow, this is completely uh, incomprehensible. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Incomprehensible? <laughs> incomprehensible, right? It's like, it's not so far out there where you're just like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Right. But it has everything to do with this other thing, like what you just talked about. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the dynamics that mm-hmm. he's able to build into those grooves. But beyond that, I think he's... He's just really listening. I mean, he 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 has an idea for the sound he's trying to get, and he's able to do it. He, like you know, 
Whereas I think that's the thing that maybe holds back a lot of younger drummers is, I mean, cause I used to do it too, is you think so much about the sticking pattern or, um, you know, what, what drum do I need to be hitting on the, uh, of two or whatever, you know? And so the thing is it, there's like this uh, short circuit that happens in your brain where at least in my brain, when I was working on it, where you go like, you're not listening to what you're playing. You're just telling your brain what to play at the right moment without mm-hmm. actually hearing it, what it is you're doing. Right. And I guess like music scholars call that musicking, you know, when you're <laughs> actually able to do that, that's the technical word for it. Um, but I think that's kind of what we're all trying to get at is, can we just sit down and play what it is we're trying to hear in, mm-hmm. in like the most, uh, accurate and precise way that we can. Right. Right. And that's, that's why we practice is to be able to play exactly what it is we're hearing and be able to react in the musical moment without thinking about it. And I think that's something that Jeff Percaro was just sort of a natural at doing because he just literally played the drums all the time. Right. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) For many years Yep. in, in such a, uh, and I have to add to that with, you know, doing it in a studio and in the environment where you can record yourself and hear it back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think constantly oh, under the microscope. Totally. Yeah. And you hear it back and you go like, Oh yeah, that's, I thought that sounded a lot better when I was playing it <laughs> than how I'm hearing it back right <laughs> that's now. That's I think that's my, uh, yeah, that's my go-to. Yeah. Wow. Oh, like, I thought that was, I thought that sounded way better. Yeah. I thought, <laughs> man. And then you realize like, okay, well, now I need to go work on that. Right. Sometimes so, you surprise yourself and I mean, right. there's, there's nothing better than like working on something and then going into the studio and you're like, man, this sounds really good. I'm, I'm glad yeah. I, I'm glad I worked on that stuff. Or, or you do it and then you think it sounds terrible at that, at that moment and you listen back a few, a couple months later and you're like, Hey, you know, that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a little distance helps, but yeah. So I don't know. Does that answer the, your question? It does. That? Yeah, it yeah. does for sure. Um, speaking of studio, um, t- talk to me about the the new record. And I just saw that I know that you um, you'd raise some money through selling the record through for the NAACP, which I think is amazing. Um, yeah. But but talk to me about the uh, talk to me about the record and and the process behind writing the record because it's not. I mean, for I put out my own drum record as well, and mm-hmm. so it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, right. Because <laughs> as I we quickly don't, found out. Yeah, because we don't play a melodic instrument, right? And you're right. like, oh shit, what did I get myself into here? Um, yeah. So talk to me about about your process of of writing a record and then and then you know recording it and all that. Um, well, it's my first official album as a solo artist, which for whatever that's worth. So I was thinking like, oh well, what would I do? I'm scratching my chin. What would I do if I were going to put out an album of my own? Um, my wife's a great pianist uh and keyboard player she has a band called trio kate and so she's put out i don't know six or seven albums of her own Mm -hmm. so she's really good at it um and she she's like you know you should put out an album you should do a a, an album of you know your music and i'm like what is quote unquote my music like what (laughs) you know would i just do a jazz album would i just sit down and play like a funk beat on the drums and put it out. Um, so my concept for the album was, well, I like doing so many different styles of music. What if I just do an album that's just all the styles I love to do? 
you know, more or less. Yeah. Obviously, there's, I couldn't fit everything on there. Um, so, yeah. So I thought, okay, well, I'd love to just do a trio side or just, you know, a group of jazz trio because I love that. So I got Bruce Foreman to play guitar and Edwin Livingston played upright bass. And I just wrote some tunes, um, some jazz tunes. And, you know, sometimes I write at the piano. Uh, sometimes I'll write at the drum set. Sometimes, you know, I'll write, I have a marimba in here in the studio nice. that I'll write stuff at. Um, which there's a, there's a song in there called Present Tense. Um, and it kind of has like a Steve Reich uh, sort of intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just like minimalist. And that totally came from me just playing the marimba and just coming up with this sort of ostinato that the whole song revolves around. That's in seven. Um, yeah. So sometimes it comes from that. Um, sometimes it's like, there's one song in there called sneaking on out, which I just posted a little clip of, uh, yesterday, um, that it it started out as a cadence in our drum line in high school. And a couple years ago when I was starting to work on this album, for whatever reason, that cadence like popped in my head. Um, and so I thought, you know, like, it's just like kind of the standalone drum, like three bar phrase that's supposed to be played on like quads, you know, right. like the marching march quad. So I was like, I wonder if I can just make that, adapt that to a jazz setting. So I thought like, okay, well, there's no blue. I haven't written a blues for the album yet. So, and I just didn't want to write like some generic sounding blues, like 12 mm-hmm. bar blues. Right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I wonder if I can just take like, um, you know, this three bar phrase and, you know, if a blues is four, three bar or yeah, four, no, three, four bar phrases, <laughs> then why can't I just do, uh, four, three bar phrases, you know? So that's sounds I like, I and, mean, it's all math. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, it, and so I was just like, so part of it is experimenting on the drums. Like, okay, can I hear the changes while I'm playing this phrase? And it actually worked out pretty in a pretty cool way. So. So that's sometimes it comes from that. Um, one of the songs in there is called 1985 World Champions, and mm-hmm. uh, which uh, you know I'm, I'm an '80s kid, uh, sort of. I mean, mid '80s, right? Um, and you know, growing up in Kansas City, the Royals won the World Series in 1985. I like it, which happens to be the year I was born. Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. I was like, you know, I love 80s, you know, everything from the 80s, like Phil Collins and uh, Shaka Khan and, uh, you know, like all the 80s fusion stuff, like with Erskine on it and all those kinds of drummers. So I was like, I wonder if I can just write something that sort of melds all that together. And that started out with a, um, I have a TR-8, which is a a Roland TR-8, which is like the modern version of an eight, it has an, a 707, 808, and 909 all in one machine. Mm-hmm. So I just got this like drum loop going that I thought sounded cool. And uh, I wrote a whole song starting from that, you know? Um, yep. So yeah, all the songs sort of came about in different ways, but that was the basic concept. It was like, can I just do an album of music that's in like different styles I love to play? Well, the, and that's, most- that's what I Sorry, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was no, just going to say, it. most people put, you know, most drummers put out drum albums. And I'm just going to say it, like, most of them suck. 
because I, I mean, people are probably like, I can't believe you're sitting here bashing other people's records, but here's a drum podcast. No, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's just like, it's, it's usually like noise and a, and somebody just like playing drums over top of it. And I'm like, I just, maybe it's just my thing. I'm just not into it. Like I'm the same, I'm the same way. And, and so going into this, I was like, I don't want to do that. It's like when you go to most, uh, not most, but a lot of drum clinics and they're like, all right, I'm going to play a tune now. And the tone and the tune comes on and it's like, yeah, yeah, and the guy's just like, (laughs) and then like, which I mean, to me, that's impressive. Yeah, I just lie. that's it's impressive drumming, but that's just that's something that I've never been able to do basically. So maybe that's yeah. why. I think maybe that that's way. why I don't like it too. <laughs> I, I mean, just, I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's that's amazing. I can't do that. I um, just can't wrap my brain around it, like in, from a musical. Exactly, standpoint. and that's always been my thing too. Is I'm not just trying to play for other drummers, right? right? I'm trying to play. I'm not even trying to play for other musicians. I'm just trying to play for people who want to listen to music or yeah. who enjoy listening to music. So that was, yeah. I mean, if you listen to the album, there are some drum solos that happen, but right, 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 right. It's, it's definitely not, the album was not a vehicle for me to display my amazing chops. Right. <laughs> not that I have amazing chops, but you know what I mean? It, the, the, it was just a way for me to put some music together. And actually, I mean, the cool there's a little bit of uh, an ulterior motive in doing this album too, is I did it all in my home studio. Mm. So everything you hear on the album is from my home studio. And so it's sort of, it's almost like a business card of sorts. I want to say for any composers like film composers or just, you know, producers or whomever who would listen. I go like, wow, he got that sound out of his studio, his home studio. Like, Oh, I'll have him, you know, now I know he can do all that. Sure. Um, but it's I wasn't really thinking that way in doing it. I was just thinking of cool sounds that I like to get. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of my my whole approach for yeah. doing it. I mean, when uh, I when I made my record, my, the whole deal was because I wanted to have music that I could go out and hire people to play. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I wanted to book gigs and I wanted to book gigs with really like upper echelon players. And they weren't hiring me for gigs. So I was like, I'll cut a record and then I'll have these tunes and then I'll hire them to play for me. Yep. And, and that's, it, and it that's another, that's another great approach. And then, and sometimes it's like the, you know, those up, upper echelon players, it's like, they just don't know who you are. Right. You know, right. then you play with them and they're like, Oh, this guy's amazing. And then they hire <laughs> and then they hire you for, to, yeah. for their gigs. So. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And I don't know, I guess, I just, I, the thing with my record is I just wanted to get my friends to play on it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's definitely there. I mean, if you read the credits, there's just so many people on it. Um, and that's what, partly why it took two years to make. Wow. Cause everyone's busy. And then, yeah. And then as soon as it's about to come out, it was supposed to come out in May and you know, the pandemic was happening and mm-hmm. then like, you know, maybe I'll hold off. <laughs> and so, <laughs> And then so uh, the the I have like a this company who's helping me with the radio promotion. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, maybe we can put it out like just a month later. So literally June nineteenth, um, which was sort of serendipitous in a way, you know. 
yep. with uh, with Juneteenth. So, and the, the thing is, I'm, I mean, there's no denying how influenced I am by by black musicians and by black drummers over the years. So mm-hmm. I was like, this this is a at least this is a way I can one way I can think of to give back and and get involved in these sort of like unprecedented times that we're living in. Yeah. So that's why, and that's why I did, you know, that's why I had the donation, uh, to the NAACP on my, on the release day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, you know, it's like we, I, a lot of times I think people think we have to make these grand gestures of whether it be helping or whether it be, um, you know, whether it be donating or, going to do this thing and it's like if everyone just does a little bit then right then it adds up to a lot and 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 if everyone does a little bit every day then yeah. over time it becomes this massive thing I, I i brought it up on i don't know if it was this podcast i have another podcast i can't remember which one i was talking about it on but oprah winfrey uh had built a school and she was like this is my greatest legacy like this is amazing all these people are going to learn here and everything and my angelou was like your greatest legacy is the things that you do every single day and the one or two or three people that you touch every single day and right. that extrapolated out over, you know, your whole life. That's your legacy. Right. And I thought that was really powerful. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. I mean, even thinking of someone, you know, I was just thinking about Joe Percaro a lot yesterday mm-hmm. and to read all of these tributes to him from other drummers I respect, you know, on, on Facebook, uh, or on Instagram or wherever it's like, that's, that's another example of someone who every day just made everyone else around him feel so good, you know, Mm -hmm. just, uh, a really positive, uh, energy and light in the world, which is something we need, you know, we do. We do. So, yeah, for sure. It's important stuff. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> really, yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, I try to do the same thing. I, uh, in, in how I teach or just how I play or, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's not always easy. It's not always easy to be that way. Some people, I don't remember where I was reading about that. I mean, you think, Oh, you know what it was? It was the Mr. Rogers documentary. Mm. Did you ever, did you see the Mr. Rogers I, documentary? You know what? I know I we're going all over the place. Here, I didn't, but, I didn't. Um, there's this great documentary on Mr. Rogers. No, I know. And, I know. And his I, wife I and his his wife is sitting there in the documentary going like I know that so many people think that this is like how, you know, that this was like easy for him, but you know, not every day is even for Mr. Rogers is easy to like be positive right. and you know the like the way that we think of Mr. Rogers being it's like it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh and so that was that was something you know, I took away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like like you said, even Mr. Rogers has bad days and gets shitty news and, and yeah, you know, has to deal with life. things. Right. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, well, all we can do is do our part, right? Yeah. Big time. Um, so for, for everyone listening, everything that we talked about is going to be in the show notes, but I recommend checking out the records called read between the lines. I applaud you on the pun. Thank you. Very well executed, sir. Um, and then, <laughs> and then also uh, check out the book um, to help you develop. It's called Jad, Jazz Drum Set Etudes: A Guide to Developing Solo Technique and Melodic Vocabulary, Volume One. Um, Boom. 
And but uh, again, I'll link up to the, all that in the show notes. And uh, what's the best place for people to find you? Should they go to your website, Instagram? Where where do you like them to to get with you? Um, probably Instagrams where I'm at most of the time, or, okay. or that's where I'm. That's where I'm definitely uploading, you know, current content. Um, I have a YouTube channel now that one of my friends in Nashville inspired me to start doing since we're all at home and I, you know, talking about ways to help people. I thought like, okay, well I've already been recording myself at home for however long. I mean, years, almost probably 10 years now I've been Mm -hmm. recording drums at, at my house for different projects. Um, and since that's kind of all that we can do at this point as, as a collective drum community, um, I know there are some live gigs happening again, but everyone's trying to figure out how to record themselves now, you know, yep. and make their drums sound good at home. So I've thought like, oh, I'm just going to start making YouTube videos about what I do, about my approach to doing this. Because I know they're already just, again, it's it's YouTube. So there's just so many videos out there on here's how you record drums. Yeah. Or here, here's a way, here's how you do your overhead microphones or here's how you get a good kick drum sound. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Here's my way yeah. of how I, how I get my sounds at home. Um, so yeah, you guys can check me out on, uh, check out my drum videos. I should say, check me out too, I guess. But, uh, on YouTube, uh, it's just YouTube, uh, Jake Reed music. If you just type in Jake Reed music, you'll find me. Nice. But um, yeah, Instagram is probably the best, which is also Jake Reed music. <laughs> okay. And I'll and again, I'll, all the all the links to everything will be in the show notes, so people can find that easily as well. Um, but Jake, uh, one, thank you for for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Two, congrats on releasing your own record. I know how hard it is to do. Uh, so congrats on that, and and I applaud you for for donating some of that money to the NWACP as well. And just keep being a beacon of light out there, man. I think that I, I love what you're doing in terms of in terms of the music and the energy and things that you're putting out there in the world. So just keep doing that, man. And and again, I appreciate you coming on. Ah, uh, thanks, Nick. It was a uh, it was a pleasure to be on the show. So thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, man. All right, I will talk to you soon. All right, thanks. There you have it. That's Jake Reed. And you can grab the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 574. Also check out his book, Jazz Drum Set Etudes. It's a guide for developing solo techniques and melodic vocabulary. And also his album, Read Between the Lines. That's R-E-E-D, Between the Lines. And you can find it on iTunes and Spotify. I've been jamming to it the last couple weeks. So you should definitely check that out. And you can follow him by going to jakereadmusic.com find out what he's got going on he's on the gram all that stuff everything's in the show notes drummersresource.com forward slash session 574 and other than that that's all I got so have a great week and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon peace Drummers Resource is produced by Revoice Media executive producer Nick Ruffini that's me edited by Justin Thomas Video editing by Tomas Shannon and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.